Genesis chapter number 6, we are going to begin reading verse number 9 today. This is 6, verse number 9. It says these words, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and without with pitch. This is how you are to make it. Length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. Set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. It shall be male and female, the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten, stored up. It shall, be sir, it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And may the Lord bless the reading, hearing of his word this morning. And then last week we began to, to look at the story of Noah in the book of Genesis here. Of course, I mentioned the fact that Noah was a man who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was the first man, if you would, this verse there, in verse 8 of chapter 6, is the first time where we hear about the grace of God being given. Noah was not chosen to build the ark because of his inherent goodness, because of his stellar works or performance, but because God chose in his favor and his loving kindness to extend His grace towards Noah. But we would be remiss if we did not consider the fact and the reality that along with God's grace and favor in the life of Noah, Noah was also a man who lived a godly and a righteous life. Noah was a man who was willing to obey the Word of God, to obey the commands of God. And even though it seemed foolish or irrelevant, 
Perhaps not easily understood as to what he was doing and why he was doing what he was. Noah lived a life of obedience to the Lord. And as we consider the life of Noah today, I want us to look and consider our own lives as well. Are we willing to follow and obey the path that God has given us in life? Are we willing to order our lives to the commands and dictates of the Lord, to follow Him, to be obedient to Him, to simply trust in Him that He knows what He is doing and He knows what is best for us? No matter the cost, no matter the demands it places on each and every one of us. Noah was a man who was willing to walk the path of obedience before God. And you and I, as we think about our lives, we must ask ourselves this question, am I willing to live my life in obedience to what God would have me do today? And so we get into our text this morning. We notice, first of all, God's remedy, God's remedy to the increase of wickedness that is on the earth. His remedy to the increase of wickedness that is growing on the earth. We talked about this at length over the last few sermons here, but the evil, the wickedness of society, of mankind has grieved the heart of God. In so much that God had determined, we saw last week, to destroy all of the earth. To alleviate the sin and the wickedness by means of this great flood that was to come upon the earth. God said, I will not always strive with man. He's wearied me. He's worn me out to the place where I cannot deal with him forever. I must bring a remedy to this wicked world that we are in. But yet, as we mentioned, God's grace and mercy is found to have rested, to be resting upon Noah. God's providential kindness was there as Noah finds grace. He finds favor in the eyes of God. But we're also told here, again in verse 9, that Noah was a righteous man. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a, a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Same phrase there that you see. The life of Enoch and Boy back in chapter 5. Is mentioned here again. These two men are the only one who are mentioned as, as walking with God, living a life of faithfulness and obedience to God, even in the midst of an increasingly wicked and wretched world that they find themselves in. Of course, this simply reinforces the tension, the struggle that we face as people of God. What is it? Where is it? We know that, that God's grace is unmerited, that it's totally unearned, that there's nothing in our lives that, that can ever give us the grace of God. We can do nothing to earn His grace. 
And yet we believe that we are responsible for our behaviors and actions. We know that there's nothing we can do to ever earn our salvation. And that point must be reiterated, reinforced, however we know. When God's grace reaches us, it brings change in our lives. And with that change, there's a responsibility to pursue, to press on, to live the life that God has called us to live. Noah here, having been given the grace of God, is living a life that is found pleasing and devoted to the Lord. This, of course, leads us back to the point here. God has a remedy. Judgment for the wickedness and evil of mankind are are soon to be remedied through the flood that God is bringing upon the earth. Verse 13 tells us, God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence to them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Therefore, verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and without. With pitch, he goes on, he tells Noah to build it according to his specifications. And then he gives a reason for the building of the ark in verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth will die. There will be a flood upon the entire earth. Verse 18 though tells us, All is not lost. I will establish my covenant with you. You will come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. Even though God has promised His judgment on the earth, He assures Noah He will spare them and His family. He will watch over them. He will allow them to survive and will establish His covenant with them. In a few weeks, we'll talk more about this covenant. Here's what one writer wrote about this covenant. He said he finds in this Noahic covenant where the Lord obligates Himself to save the Noahic family and preserve the new world also forever without any specific demands placed upon the patriarch. The narrative, however, while acknowledging that the initiative and burden of the covenant are with the Lord, shows that it is offered in conjunctions with Noah's righteous conduct. No one else receives the gracious attention of the Lord in Noah's generation because of their failure to live uprightly. The narrative here is assuming that Noah already, already enjoys a relationship with God. And hence, God rewards His servant for His fidelity. In other words, God has seen the faithfulness of Noah. God has seen the way that Noah has lived his life before him. And He tells Noah here in verse 18, I have not forgotten about you. I will establish my covenant with you. I will spare you and your family because righteous life that you are living so verse 19 it goes on of two of every living flesh you bring two of every sort into the 
keep them alive with you. There'll be male and female, the birds according to their kinds, animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort will come into you. Keep them alive. So God has promised. Fulfill His Word. He'll keep His covenant with Noah. And yet look what happens next, which is my next point this morning, and that is this, Noah's, Noah's obedience to God's commands. Noah's obedience to God's commands, God's promise. He stated He'll provide a place of refuge for Noah. Provide a way for Noah to escape the, the coming wrath of God, the flood, the judgment that is coming upon the earth. And look at what the final verse of chapter 6 says to us this morning. Verse 22 says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah did all that God had commanded him. He received his instructions from God. Receive the blueprint on how to build this bow, how to build this ark, what it is that you're to make it out of. Immediately, he does all that God commands him to do. Now, one of the things you need to remember when you're studying the Bible is you need to take note of repeated phrases or words. Why is something mentioned several times in a chapter, in a section of Scripture, in a narrative of Scripture? Why is something repeated over and over and over again? The reason we all know is very simple. It emphasizes that. There's an emphasis. There's a priority on that. That's why it's repeated. And so we read here the to the end of chapter 6, and I didn't read chapter 7, but, but go into chapter 7 and look what you read. Chapter 7, verse 5 of Genesis says these words, Noah did all that God had commanded him. Okay, so verse 22, chapter 6, Noah did this. Began to build the ark. He did all that God had commanded. Chapter 5, or chapter 7, I should say, verse 5, we're told again, Noah did all that God had commanded him. Verse 9, 2 and 2, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. Verse 16 again, those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. So in other words, 17 verses. And we are told four different times that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Noah obeyed God and it is repeated four different times. Noah fulfilled what God had commanded. He did all that the Lord had told him to do. And Moses, or whoever wrote this section about Noah, feels fit to remind us four different times that Noah was an obedient man to God. And here is the thrust. Here is the point of, of what I'm trying to say to you this morning. We might say it this way. Put your money where your mouth is. 
Right? If you really believe something, put your money in what you're saying. Put all your cards on the table. I'm all in. Laying it all out there. I'm burning the bridges. I'm not going back. I'm moving and I'm not going back. I've burned the ships. I've burned the bridges. You see, when it comes to God, way too often, way too often, too many people, too many Christians say, I believe God, I trust God, and yet we don't show in our actions and in our life that we really believe. What God has said. I mean, we'll even sing that song. I am who you say I am. I'm a child of God. And yes, I am. And yet we walk out of church and we live like illegitimate children, like orphans, not believing that our Heavenly Father loves us and cares for us and has forgiven us of our sins. Again, I want to be clear, we're not saved by our actions. We're not saved by our works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. And yet our faith inevitably shows in our actions. How can we say that we believe God, that we trust God, and yet we never display that we do in and through our lives? The author of Hebrews states this about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Noah received from God, I am about to judge the world. And guess what Noah did? Noah's faith is what compelled him to build the ark. God said, this is how you are to build it. Noah got in his car, got in his chariot, went to Home Depot, bought him a hammer and nails, Got the work building. Noah's actions reflected, showed his faith, his belief, his trust in God. Noah, being warned and reverent filled, began to build an ark for the saving of his household. James states it this way in his epistle. What good is it, my brother? James chapter 2. Verse 14, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Is it just the fact that you say, oh, I believe that's good enough, or is it the life that you are living that exhibits that you really trust in God? James says if your brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, Verse 16, one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? Oh, that poor soul, look at him, shivering in the cold, look like they're starving half to death. God is looking at you and saying, Look, you, you have 12,000 coats in your closet. 
You've got a coat for every outfit. Why don't you give him one of your coats? You've got money in your wallet. You've got a credit card. Drive him down to McDonald's. Well, now McDonald's are closed for remodeling, but go to Burger King and get the man a cheeseburger. So many of us, we can break it down in every other aspect of our life. I mean, I, I'm trusting God to provide a financial miracle. I need a financial blessing in my life. Yet you know, week after week, we fail to pay our tithes. We fail to give to God. We feel, could it be that we really don't trust that God is going to do that? We don't really believe that God is going to provide like we say that he says he will. Noah was given a directive, command from God, and he went to work fulfilling the command of God upon his life. Began to go to these gopher trees or whatever this wood is. Began to get this tar, this pitch, and step by step, slowly and surely, a gigantic boat is being built on the desert floor. I mentioned it last week, but scholars believe and estimate that it might have taken 50 to 75 years to build. There was no air gun. There was no power tools back then. Six guys, three guys working, four guys working on this massive building project. And yet he never gave up. People come by and know, what are you going to do? What are you doing? God said it's going to rain. It's going to flood the earth. No, you're crazy. It hasn't rained in six weeks. No, but God said it and I believe it. I am trusting him. So we know what happens. Third point this morning, the word of God is fulfilled. The Word of God is fulfilled. The God who keeps His covenant, who keeps His promises, does exactly what He says He is going to do in the time of Noah. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all of your household, for I have seen that you are righteous. Verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. Noah, his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went with him into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. The 600th year of Noah's life, verse 11, second month on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. The windows of the heavens were opened. Rain fell upon the earth 40 days, 40 nights. Verse 23, he blotted out, God blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground. Men and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, they were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. God's word came true. Earth was determined to be destroyed by God. His plans laid out from the foundations of the earth were carried out, were fulfilled. 
And yet through His providence, through His favor, through His unmerited grace, God spared the life of Noah and his family. And yet Noah's obedience, Noah's willingness to obey the voice of God is what saved and rescued his life, his son's lives, his son, his daughters-in-law's lives. Noah was not just content to hear the word of God, but having heard it, having received it by faith, he got up and began to walk a path of obedience. So as we think about the life of Noah, some observations we can make when it comes to walking our own path of obedience to God observations that we can make what is the path of obedience for us today first of all let's say this faith in god is always demonstrated by obedience faith in god is always demonstrated by obedience to god if you really believe that god is who he says he is if you really believe that God will do what He says He will do, then again, let's put your money where your mouth is. If you believe that God will care and provide for you, show it not just by your words, but show it by your life. Jesus Himself illustrates this in the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21. What do you think He says? Man had two sons and went to the first and said, Go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. Afterward, he changed his mind and he went. Went to the other son, he said the same, and, and the other son said, I'll go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two of them did the will of the father? They said, It's the first son the first son now what Jesus didn't mention is what my sons do when they say no I won't and then they don't do it so at least they're honest I guess All right, maybe they're not that bad but you get what Jesus is saying he's saying it doesn't doesn't matter doesn't matter what you say you're going to do I mean the first one's like oh I'll do it I'll be obedient I'll, I'll follow you and yet he does not go to work the one who does the will of God is the one who actually does what He says. The one who does what is commanded. And unfortunately, far too many sit in churches Sunday after Sunday and we sing songs like, I will trust you, I will follow you, I will live for you, I will serve you, I will do this and that and the other. And we walk out and it's never exhibited in our day-to-day -day lives. There's no evidence of our willingness to trust God, our willingness to be called a child of God, a willingness to be identified with the Lord. Who does the will of God? It's the one who does what is commanded of Him. That's why it's so important. I believe God can take the most wretched, hard-hearted person and make them a compassionate, loving person. Or show it through your life. 
Why are you insisting on being a hard-hearted, wretched person and say God can change your life? I believe God loves everyone. Well, why don't you love everyone? Why don't you show it in your life that God really does love and care for them? See, faith in God is always demonstrated by obedience to God. But secondly, secondly, obedience to God always begins, begins with His revealed Word. For us today, it begins with the revealed Word of God. And this point needs to be emphasized. Noah obeyed what God had revealed for him to do. God has revealed himself to us in this day and hour, and it's called the Bible. God's Word is our source of revelation. And we live in a day and an hour where people want to hear a word from God and they will travel for hours and hundreds of miles to find a quote-unquote prophet that's giving a word from God. And really what they need to do is open their Bible and listen to what God is saying to them. Before I go any further, I believe that God can speak prophetic words. If you want to hear a prophetic word, what you need to do is go to church every Sunday and hear the Word of God being taught and preached to you. That's your prophetic word that you want to hear. We look around and we see, oh, this country is a mess. I wish somebody would, would just give some kind of word, a revelation about our country. Guess what? God has given it to you. Micah said, what are you to do? But the do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Paul said, put on the full armor of God. Jesus again says, go into the world and preach the gospel. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear that president, the House, the Senate are all going to be frog-marched across Washington. Guess what? God has told us what to do. Obey His Word. And then if God chooses to reveal Himself in a different way, that's fine. But, but what you need to do is listen to what the Scriptures are telling you to do. Again, I wish God would provide some kind of financial miracle. God has provided the remedy for your financial blessing. If a man will not work, neither should he eat. Well, that's not what I wanted to hear. You mean I got to get out of bed and go to work tomorrow? Yes. Give and it will be given to you. Pay your tithes. Borrower, slave to the lender. Spend less money than what you take in. Wise man saves his money for later day that's 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 god's blessing that's god's financial miracle for you that's not what i want to hear i want to hear that there's going to be a million dollar check on my kitchen table i do too if god does that for you this afternoon god bless you call me and buy me a steak dinner all right 
my point is simple, isn't it? We don't want to do what God has commanded us to do in His Scriptures. What He has told us to do in His Word. Somehow we think that if somebody would just come and say, I have a new word from God, that everything will be better. No, God has shown him and shown himself to you through his scripture. And you need to listen and obey what God has called you to do. I wish things would be better with my spouse. Maybe if we go to a marriage retreat. Well, I'm all for that. Sometimes that's what it takes. Instead of somebody giving you some kind of new insight, the Bible's made it clear. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husband. We'd start doing that. It would be amazing what God would do. I wish my parents would be better. God, again, has told you what to do. Obey your parents. I wish my children would be better. God has told us what to do. Fathers, don't. Provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the fear and admonition of God. See, we are faithful and obedient to what God has shared in the Scriptures. God will reveal Himself to us. God will take care of the Word that you need for today, but first you must do what God has clearly commanded you to do through the Bible. Through His Holy Word. Which leads me to my final observation, which is this. Obedience to God is a long, long journey. It's a long journey. I mentioned last week, Noah was 500 years old when he had his three sons. Again, Noah... Genesis chapter 5, verse 32, Noah is 500 years old and he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We're told there in verse seven, chapter 7, verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when a flood of waters came upon the earth. How long was Noah devoted and obedient to God? We don't know. Was it when he was 500 years old and all of a sudden his Wife comes in and says, I'm pregnant. I mean, I'd, you'd probably have to pick me up off the floor if I was that old. But we don't know. Noah was living a life of obedience before the Lord. Again, as I've mentioned, it maybe have taken him 50 to 75 years. As we try to pinpoint all these numbers, Noah's life demonstrates a, a long obedience, a long walk with God, a long path of faithfulness in the sight of God. Noah chose not to partake of the reverie for volatility of the world. Until God said, build an ark, and then Noah decided to repent. Noah was not out engaging in sin. Till God said, get in the boat, and suddenly Noah got serious. No, Noah lived a life day in, day out. One day at a time of obedience and faithfulness to God. We don't like that. 
We live in the day of 5G internet where if I can't get up a web page the moment I type the dot com, I mean, something's bad. I need a new phone, a new computer, right? We live in a time where somebody makes a decision and immediately we have our judgment posted on social media. Turn on any ad and it's lose 50 pounds in five minutes. Make a million dollars in 10 minutes. All of this stuff telling us right now everything will be better if you just buy this. Again, even televangelists get in the act when they tell you if you'll just give me $1,000, God will immediately give you $10 million. When it comes to God, God is not looking for your sudden devotion to Him. He's looking for your faithfulness over the years, over the decades. He's looking for you to walk with Him day by day and to trust Him day by day to continue to live His commands day after day after day. Command about fathers not provoking their children does not mean Every day, your heart is just swelling with love and admiration for that child. Most of the time, they kind of half-heartedly ignore you and you just kind of go about your thing. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden in your time of need and crisis, your child is there for you, caring for you, looking after you. Realize all those days and hours where you simply were obedient to God has resulted in the faithfulness and the love and the bond between you and your child. Eugene Peterson is one who wrote the message, paraphrase a guy that probably I don't agree with a lot doctrinally or did not. He's gone on now. Much more conservative in my thinking than he is, but He's a very admirable man because he's a man who achieved notoriety, attention. And yet, instead of pursuing Christian celebrity status, Eugene Peterson was very content to pastor a small church in Maryland for years. He shunned the notoriety, he shunned the fame that often comes through evangelical celebrityism. But he wrote a book on the psalm of ascent, Psalm 120 to 132. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. In this book, he stated this truth. He said, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. And there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. In other words, what he is saying is there's a lot of people that like shows, they like to feel good. They like it when their churches have lights and lasers and fog machines. And pastors can come out of the sky 
zipline cords and all this other stuff. You've probably seen videos of them. If not, trust me, your life is better for not seeing it. We love it when God brings goosebumps and He speaks to us and a voice thunders out of the mountain. And yet so often we don't want the years of toil, labor, and hardship that come with the building. The building of the ark, the formation of true holiness in our lives. We love the experience of the church service where everybody's singing and the glory of God is visible and yet we don't like the Monday morning of experience of opening the Bible, reading again sacred words God is speaking to us. The true path to God is a path of obedience that follows a long Long road. My challenge for you today is this. God speaks to your life about something. Are you willing to trust Him? No matter, no matter how long it takes. Are you willing to follow God not just when He pours down manna from heaven, also, when all you have is the Red Sea on one side and the mightiest army in the world closing in fast behind you. Are you willing to follow God when you're on the mountain of glory and yet you're also in the valley of the shadow of death? Are you going to stay true to Him when He feeds you with 5,000 and 5,000 others, 20,000 others with five loaves and two fishes. And are you going to be with Him? The Roman soldiers are putting nails in His hands, looking at you and you thinking, I might be next. The fact of the matter is, God is wanting us to trust Him, to follow Him, to live for Him. No matter what we go through, be obedient to Him in this long journey of life. To trust Him in the good times, to trust Him in the hard times. Simply walk faithful. And so my challenge is this. It is true that Judgment Day is coming. Talked about that last week. Second Peter 3 uses the analogy the flood to tell us again that God will destroy the world not by the waters but by fires that is dissolved and the new heavens and new earth take its place. Today you don't have to go out and build an ark, build a fireproof house. God has prepared an ark for you. It is the cross. It is the empty tomb. This is the Savior who stands there and says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The ark is there. Today, if you hear His voice, the Spirit is calling to you, Come. Come into the ark. Come into the place. Find forgiveness of your sins. Find mercy at the cross. Secondly, my challenge for you, believer, is to be found obedient and faithful to Him. 
Find yourself day after day, week after week, year, decade, so on, walking. Walking in obedience to Him. Guarantee if you will take that path. It's not an easy path. It's a long, winding journey. If you will simply find yourself faithful day after day after day, You will find yourself in a place where you see His salvation and deliverance in your life. You will see God come through. You will see His salvation in the right time. May worship team come. Why don't we pray this morning? Admit to you this morning, I find myself again questioning, wondering, doubting. God, where are you? What's going on? Why hasn't this happened? It's been, it's been ten whole minutes, Lord. But when I look at the life of Noah and I see a man who's willing be obedient to God day after day and week after week and year after year. I realize this is the path and the road that you and I must go down. I challenge you today, stay on that road. Stay on that path. Stay on that course. You will hear him say, well done, good faithful one day. Lord, help us as a church. Help us as the people of God. Lord, we're so so frustrated. We're so worn out by the ways of this world, by the things that are happening in our culture, our society. Lord, we want to see salvation and deliverance, and yet you are calling us simply to faithfulness. Simply to obedience. Simply following you day after day. So God, here we are. We commit ourselves to trusting in you. We commit ourselves to following you. We commit ourselves to walking the road you have called us to walk. Lord, I don't see any rain clouds in the heavens, but you have said it. I will follow you. Press this truth, this reality in our lives, we pray.